Well, let's dive into this message. It's been a, a really fun series that we've been in called Eyewitness News that is really Mark's, the Gospel of Mark, Mark's ideas, his thoughts, and his recollection of the ministry of Jesus. And so we pick it up. We're still in chapter 1. We're just going to work our way verse by verse through the book of Mark throughout the year. And today we have this whole idea of Jesus touching a leper. Now, leprosy was just a horrible disease. I mean, it still is. But in Jesus' day, it also had the stigma of being connected to sin. So someone who had leprosy was not only, you know, had to, had to say unclean, unclean when someone came near them, which was humiliating enough. But they also had this stigma that there must be some horrible things that they did in their life in order to get leprosy. And so this story kind of unfolds with Jesus stepping onto the scene, and it would just be so shocking to see a rabbi, a teacher like Jesus was, to actually touch a leper. It was actually forbidden. However, no other rabbi was also the son of God. How many of you know that? <laughs> so, so Jesus has authority over disease. And that's kind of what this story is about. And some really unique things happen in the story. I was thinking about touch, human touch and what it does and its power and how one touch can make a difference in someone's life. And I was doing some research on this and I came across an interesting thing at the University of Miami Touch Research Institute. They found that touch with moderate pressure stimulates a cranial nerve that slows the heart rate and lowers blood pressure. This produces a state that is relaxed but more attentive. Touch also reduces stress hormones and may enhance immune, the immune, immune function in our bodies. They did another study where they gave half of uh, the room 15-minute massages every day and the other half didn't get them and the people who did did better in math and computer skills. How many of you need a massage every day for 15 minutes? You just, I vote for that. Anybody sign up? I vote for that. Now, I realize Jesus didn't give this guy a massage. He simply touched him. But it's powerful when you think about what touch can do, especially in our world that's so alienated from affection and love. And it seems like so much of the touch that we see in our world is either from an eroticism or something that's immoral. And I today want to just challenge us to think about what does it mean to be people of healthy touch and right touch, appropriate touch. Jesus touched this man. So let's look at it. Follow along in your bulletin on the back page if you want to take some notes. The first thing I want you to write down is this. Will I acknowledge my need? Will I acknowledge my need? This is a man who was not afraid to say, I have a need. And I want to talk about that in a minute. Let me read it. Verse 40 of Mark chapter 1. A man with leprosy came and knelt in front of Jesus, begging to be healed. And notice what he said. If you are willing, you can heal me. You can make me clean. This is a man who knew that the words, the touch, the influence of Jesus could heal him. He had that hope. He didn't know if Jesus would, but he knew that he could. And I think that's an interesting dynamic. This man was not in denial. This man says, you can heal me if you can. This man did not say, 
I don't have leprosy. I just have the symptoms of it. Sometimes there's a theology in our world that says that you need to deny that you're sick and don't admit it, don't say it. If you confess that you're ill or that you have cancer or that you have whatever, then you don't have faith. I want to tell you something. That theology is a lie. Jesus healed people when they knew they were sick. They knew they had a need. They knew they were blind. They knew they had leprosy. It doesn't help us to live in denial about where we really are in our lives. And, and don't confuse that with faith. This man had faith. And he came to Jesus and he knew he needed the touch of God in his life. So it's really important for us never to run away from what our true needs are. I, I do fear that sometimes we don't really bring our needs to God. I don't know if you're this way, but I, I literally sometimes think, you know, why bother God with that? It's just a little thing, and I'm, I'm not going to worry God. He's got enough problems. Have you ever said that? He's got enough problems to deal with besides this. But the truth is, he's our heavenly father, and the Bible says to ask. He longs for us to come to him. So at the end of our time today, we're going to actually have a, a prayer moment where we're going to pray for some of you who maybe have a disease Maybe you have an emotional, emotional situation, a relationship that it's specific and it's urgent. And we're going we're gonna to lay this need. We're going to admit. We're going to say, Lord, we acknowledge that we have a need. This man was not afraid. This man didn't say, well, I'll get cleaned up first and then I'll go to Jesus. <laughs> I've, I have some friends right now who are not walking with the Lord who, one of them especially, he always tells me, well... Uh, if I get my act together, maybe I'll come to church sometime, or maybe I'll try to believe in God. And I, I've, I've said to him multiple times, look, why don't you come to God, and he'll help you get your act together, <laughs> right? Isn't that how it works? And so we, don't, we can't become the people who simply say, I'm going to work a little harder, do something more. This man didn't say, I've been really good, I've been really nice, I've done everything right. He simply says, I have a need. Would you help me? It's refreshing to me. So let's not be afraid to trust God um, with that. The second thing in your outline is just another question that I want to talk about for a minute. What is it that moves the heart of God? What is it that gets God's attention? There, there's tons of things that, there's traits that we're going to talk about. I have a list here I'm going to go through in a minute. But I want you to notice the response of Jesus in the very next verse. Notice how it says in verse 41, Moved with what? Compassion. That's a, that's a big word. This is the son of God who has feelings. He was thirsty. He was hungry. He was tired. He had real emotion just like we do. Moved with compassion. Jesus reached out and he touched him. Now he touched him before he healed him. He's touching someone with leprosy and he says, I am willing, be healed. I am willing. What a, what a great statement. I've been thinking about that this week. I am willing. Jesus says, I am willing. And that's powerful. This man's life would, would be changed forever. How do you think Mark knew that Jesus was moved with compassion? Because he's writing this down, and he's the one who is saying, Jesus was moved with compassion. Did Jesus look over at Mark and say, I'm moved with compassion. Make sure and put that in the book. No, he didn't. He, he saw either in his eyes, 
He saw by the way he breathed or he saw an expression on the Lord's face. He was something moved the Lord. And it might have been the extreme um, symptoms of leprosy, which is pretty gross, to be honest with you, and the challenges that this man would have faced his whole life. Jesus was moved with something of compassion. He felt for this person. And, and Jesus doesn't make us beg. He didn't say, well, you know, say 10 prayers, go do this and get it right. And he, he just said, I'm willing I love that about God. You know, we're in a culture that usually only rewards good behavior. Would you agree? We, someone does something right and we reward it. Rarely are we being rewarded just because we are alive. And how many of you have a dog that you give treats to? How many of you torture them? I've seen this. I've seen people, they hold up the treat, sit. Dog sits down, tail's wagging. You know, they're foaming at the mouth. Lay down. Down they go. Roll over. I mean, how many hoops, you know, speak? And this poor dog is saying, what do I have to do to get the treat? I'm so glad God doesn't sit up there with his good stuff and say, okay, sit. Roll over. Okay, read another chapter. He, God is not interested in making you jump through the hoops. God is a God who loves you just the way you are. He cares about your need. He cares about your sorrows. He cares about the hurt, the pain, the relationships in our lives. And that is who our Lord is. Now, I think there are several things that we need to understand. The first thing is that when God, when God does a miracle, it's not to show off. As a matter of fact, Jesus is going to say to this guy, don't tell anybody that you've been healed, which is kind of weird. And, and I, I've been thinking a lot about that. Um, when God touches people, it's not like a fireworks display and he wants everyone to go, ooh, wow, look at what God did. We should give him the glory for it. But that's not why he touches people. That's not why he heals people. And so if we can understand this, there's several things that get God's attention. Let me just give you, I think there's three or four things here. The first one I listed would just be humility. The Bible actually says that this man came to Jesus and he fell on the ground in front of Jesus and he bowed down. Now, that's a sign of humility. I do not believe this man was doing something that was degrading to himself. He wasn't trying to say, I'm worthless. He was trying to acknowledge that he recognized who Jesus was as the Messiah. He puts himself in a position of humility, of trust. And I think that sometimes we forget that. We forget that when we walk with humility, it gets God's attention. You know, I don't know if you've ever been around someone that you know, walks around with arrogance and pride and would never acknowledge if they ever had a need. I think the people of God should always walk with humility, recognizing we have needs. We need a Savior. We need a Savior. And so this man falls down. The second trait that, that I've put down here is just honesty. I've mentioned it already, but this guy didn't come to the Lord and say, I don't really have a need, but if you see leprosy on me, would you heal me? He acknowledged his need. He recognized it. I think honesty moves the heart of God. I, you know, when we were raising kids, we're not anymore, praise God. Um, but uh, when we were raising kids, my kids could tell you this better than me, but one of the things that I started just drilling into our children when they were little was you will always, always, no matter what, I don't care how bad it is, you tell me the truth. And there's several reasons I told him. I said, if you don't tell me the truth, God will tell me. 
I had to be careful with that one, you know. <laughs> they, they slowly learned that wasn't true, but they believed it for a season, okay? Um, but the main thing I told them, honestly, was to say, if you tell me the truth, we're going we're to be able to deal with it. If you lie to me, then we're never going to be able to deal with the issue at hand. So no matter how bad it is, no matter how ashamed you might feel of something you've done, I want you to tell me the truth because I promise you I will help you if we have the truth on the table. But how many of you know if someone lies to you and the truth isn't on the table, it just leads to another lie. It just leads to a lifestyle of lying. And you can never get to the core. That's why we really need to be people of honesty and integrity, even if it's horrible what happened or what we did or the poor decisions we make. We come to God with the truth. He knows it anyway. This guy was honest. He had a need and he recognized it. The third thing that I put down was just faith. Now faith is a little bit of a mystery and it's, it's a challenge. The Bible talks a lot about faith. I wish there was a little SD card slot. I could slide a card in my neck and I could have a new deposit of faith downloaded into my brain. But I know through prayer, through reading God's word, through trust, through being connected to God, faith grows. It's like a muscle that as you exercise it, it grows. But there's no magical potion to just, quote, get more faith. But I think faith arouses God. It causes him to say, wow, there's, there's faith being exercised here in this person's life to trust God, not be in denial of reality, but to have the faith that this man, when he said, I know you can, and I hope you will, because I know you're the son of God. That's this whole faith thing. The fourth one is compassion. Compassion. And this isn't necessarily seen in the story we're looking at today, but I just think it's a quality that, that God really does honor people who have compassion for others. When, when we, that's why Timberline's so involved in, in orphan care to, and to widows, to children, to uh, people who have walked through abuse, to injustice in our world. We, we have said, let's be a church that takes on things that are hard to take on. Let's not shrink back. Why? Because that's the heart of God. Scripture is filled with places that talk about what the work of God looks like. And if we do that, then God will bless what we're doing because he's instructed us to do it. So I just encourage you to be a, a person of compassion, of care. The third thing in your outline is this. What did Jesus require? Now, this story is about to shift. Are you ready? It's about to change. It gets kind of complicated, as a matter of fact, and it messes up the life of Jesus. This man is not going to do what Jesus asks him to do. And there are many reasons I believe that happens, but let's look at it. Verse 42. Instantly the leprosy disappeared, and the man was healed. Then Jesus sent him on his way with a stern warning. Now the language here that Mark uses would, would sort of mean like almost a finger in his face, like, sir, you know, it's this moment that's separate from the healing. He's, he's taking him aside and saying, listen to what I'm about to tell you. Don't tell anyone about this. Instead, go to the priest, let him examine you. Take along the offering required in the law of Moses for those who have been healed of leprosy. This will be a public testimony that you have been cleansed. Now this comes, this comes out of Leviticus 13 and 14 where God revealed to Moses and Aaron 
what they should do when someone is healed of leprosy, what the lepers should do when they're healed of leprosy. So Jesus is quoting the scripture. He's requiring that this man do the same, but he says, don't tell anybody about this. I think, I don't know why Jesus would say don't tell anyone, but, but Jesus knew that it would cause him a lot of grief and a lot of headaches because often when Jesus healed someone, especially early in his ministry, and this is an early miracle in the ministry of Jesus, it would, it would invoke the fact that crowds would come around him. Now, Jesus has this vision of going freely to, to village after village and proclaiming the good news, right? Well, he knows if miracles start to happen and he does this stuff like this and this guy goes and tells his village, the village is going to come out in masses. Remember, wasn't it just last week we talked about how um, Jesus goes away to be with the Father and they can't find him? And the disciples are saying, the city's waiting for you. People are lined up. Come on, let's go back. We've got a crowd. Praise God. And the Lord says, nah, let's, let's go to the next town. Because that was the work that Jesus was doing. So it, it was really a, an interesting moment in the life of Jesus when he says, don't tell anybody. Because he knew it would create a hassle for him. As a matter of fact, just a side note, which I think is interesting. About three times in the New Testament and several of the gospel writers record different moments, Jesus says, my time is not yet come. The King James says, mine hour is, has not come. And then he goes to the Garden of Gethsemane, and he gets up from prayer, and it's the first time he says, mine hour is come, or my time is now. Jesus is very aware of the timing, and he, he was almost reluctant in his healing because he knew it would create a mess for the disciples and his life. Now let's, let's, let's look and see how it, what it did. Number four in your outline, when zeal ceases to be helpful. When, when zeal, and I love people who have zeal. Zealous people are contagious. But sometimes as we walk with God, it's not as helpful as we might think it is. So let's look at what this man did. Verse 45. But the man went and spread the word, proclaiming to everyone what had happened. Oh, great. If I'd have been Jesus, I'd have given him leprosy back. No, I wouldn't. I wouldn't have done that. As a result, large crowds soon surrounded Jesus, and he couldn't publicly enter a town anywhere. He had to stay out in secluded places, but people from everywhere kept coming to him. See, this messed up the plan Jesus had because this guy goes and tells everybody and now Jesus is having to sleep out in the field. He, he can't go into villages. It's, it's, it, cruelly, it truly created issues for Jesus and for the disciples. I, I want to just talk. I've put I, the kind of last few thoughts I have here today is what are some of the ways that we could potentially hinder the work of God? Do you think it's possible to hinder the kingdom of God even if you're well-meaning? Go like this. Yes, we do it all the time. I know that I have. And I'm embarrassed about it. But I want to just, these are just a few thoughts. Number one, by becoming too aggressive. You know, I, I do believe we are called to go into the world and preach the gospel. That was Jesus' words. Last thing he said, you know, go make a difference. So we are to proclaim. We are to teach. We are to disciple people. But, you know, if you have a family member that has no interest in God, and every time you're around them, you just blast them with God's stuff and God's stories and Bible verses and everything else. You know, it, it might not really help them find Christ. 
it might push them farther away because their battle becomes between them and you rather than them and God. But when we can just say God loves you, he cares about you, when you have an, an idea or a thought about, about opening up to him, I'd love to chat with you about it. I, I like having friends that don't know the Lord because I, I can truly be their friend whether they come to Christ or not. And I think that's an opportunity that we need to have in our lives. And those days come when crisis comes. And if I've done a good job in building relationship with no agenda, then suddenly there's an openness to the things of God. I, I see Christians sometimes become so aggressive, it's like a military exercise. And it pushes people away. And I even hear some say things like, well, I'm speaking the truth. They need to hear the truth. That will set them free. Well, they're taking that scripture and they're, they're using it as a hand grenade on people. And I've seen, yeah, truth is truth and we should be people of truth. There's no doubt. But we should pe- be people who love. We lead by love and by care. And so sometimes just telling the truth is not going to lead people to God. It's going to irritate them until they're ready to hear the truth. And that takes the spirit of God. This morning in traditions, I, I enjoyed uh, just singing this song, Spirit of, of the Living God, Fall Fresh on Me. And I, and I, I love that old song because it, it talks about melt me, mold me, fill me, use me. And if we can be people like that, we'll be sensitive and we'll have discernment. I've met some Christians that are so excited that certain groups are going to go to hell. Have you met some of these Christians in the name of God? They are so excited to see people burn. And they hate certain groups. And it's just, it, it, it infuriates them. And they would say it's righteous anger. I disagree. Sometimes it's just humanness. And we choose who we're going to love and who we're going to hate. And we have to be careful about these types of things. Uh, another thing that I think really doesn't promote the kingdom very well is making promises in God's behalf. Um. That's a, that's a big deal. When we make promises that God didn't make because we're, we're zealous about wanting someone to have faith, I've, I've, I've been around people who are praying for someone and they will say something like, you know, you're healed. You're healed. You just need to confess it. You just need to say it. You're healed. You know, they're, they're, still, they're still not healed. And, and when we tell people something is true when it really isn't and we try to be God's ambassador, we, we actually destroy the kingdom of God. Um, do you remember when the disciples came back to Jesus in that story? I'm just now thinking of this. And they said, we saw someone casting out demons in your name and we told them to stop it because it wasn't us, basically. And the Lord says, wait a minute. You know, let them go. Let them do it. So the disciples are actually doing harm because they don't understand. Let's be people who, who don't try to represent God. God can heal. God can speak to people. Be careful with the phrase, God told me. Yeah, as a pastor, when someone comes up to me and says, God told me, I can't have, there's no room for any other thoughts or even for correction or ideas or why. It's just, if God told you, that's the trump card. I have, I have nothing else I can say. And that's why some people say it, is because it puts them in a place of authority. Now, God does tell us stuff. God speaks to me. I, I believe he's told me things before. But I need to be very careful with that and how I use that. It's not a big club that we can justify bat- beating someone up with, okay? Number three, doing good things with bad timing. <laughs> I've seen this. I've seen this happen. Matter of fact, I, was, uh, I, was, I pulled into an event um, 
into the parking lot. It wasn't a Christian event, and it was just a normal parking lot. And there were some people there from a church here in Fort Collins, a great church, actually. And they were doing what they called random acts of kindness. Now, how many think that's a good idea to be kind? I do. Okay, so what they were doing was awesome. Here's what they were doing. They were simply washing people's uh, windshields. And they were just doing it in kindness. So I pull up, I get out of the car, and a couple people came over to me and said, hey, you know what, we're followers of Jesus, and we're just trying to be kind. We want to do something nice, and we're washing windshields. No strings attached, honest, no strings attached. And this guy throws this big sponge on my windshield and starts wiping it down. The only problem was I had just washed my car. And I'm, I'm thinking, don't touch my car, right? It's clean, and you're messing it all up. So what they were doing was great, but the timing, it would have been better if they would have asked, would you like us to, to, to wash your windshield? So sometimes Christians get kind of zealous, and they kind of get out there, and they think everybody wants their news. Everybody wants uh, whatever it is they want to do, and sometimes it, it hurts the kingdom. The last thing is um, having a better-than-thou attitude. And I think you would understand this fully because, man, when you're around someone that, that constantly is looking down at you, um, they don't have issues like you do. And this, this doesn't even have to be around the kingdom. Just education, money, um, when someone rubs it in your face, what they have and you don't. Jesus dealt with the Pharisees his whole ministry. Now just think about this. As we wrap this up today, think about this. Here we have people who are highly religious the Pharisees and the Sadducees, but mostly the Pharisees, they, they had memorized the law. They, they had knowledge. They were, they were incredibly disciplined. Um, and yet, they, they didn't recognize Jesus was the Son of God. And they battled him the whole way until they finally killed him. And I look at that, and one of the accusations that they had about Jesus was, who does he think he is because he eats meals with sinners. He goes into their house. He hangs out with people that are not like us. And they had, their world was up here and everyone else was down here. May God forbid that we would ever represent the kingdom of God in a way that has arrogance or pride attached to it. Amen? I even want us to be careful about how we, how we celebrate Timberline. I love Timberline Church. It's my life. I love it. I want people to come here. I want you to invite your friends here. But we're not a better church than some other church. We don't get it all right. And, and sometimes even church pride can destroy the work of God. And we don't realize that. And so let's be people who walk carefully when we speak of the kingdom of God. It's, it's his church in a lot of different places in our community. Let's honor one another. Let's be people of humility. Let's walk in kindness and grace. That's what we need to be doing. And God will help us. I, I want to just wrap up by saying some of you have a need today. And the best thing you can do is just bring it to God right now. To just trust him with a moment like this. To say, Lord, I'm going to trust you fully. So would you pray with me? Lord, thank you for moments like this. Where we can just trust you simply. We can honor you. We can walk with you. We need you today. We declare that. We really do. And we thank you for the opportunity we have to serve you. Lord, I ask you in these next few moments that you would do the miraculous. That you would touch people like you touched that leper. 
Even though you're not here physically like you were on that day, you are here. Your presence is here. Your touch is available to us. And I would ask you now, Lord, to prepare our hearts to receive by faith the touch of God in our lives. You know, if you bring a need today, it could be a disease, it could be an emotional need, it could be an addiction, it could be a relationship, it could be anything, whatever that need is. I want you right now to just acknowledge that. Just say, Lord, this is my need. Just say it to him right now. This is my need. And now I want you to just begin to say, I trust you with this need. I trust you with this need. I know you can. Will you? Will you touch me in this moment? And if you're able to stand, you may not be, but if you are, I'm going to ask you to bring this need to God as a symbol of standing to your feet, of almost bowing down to God and saying, I know you can, and I trust you, and I bring my need to you now. Would you stand if that's you, please, right now? I'm going to lead us in a prayer. Church, if you're comfortable just putting a hand on a shoulder, if you came with someone who's standing today, let's not be afraid to pray for them and with them as I lead us in this prayer. Oh, God, what a serious matter where you can touch, you can heal, you can deliver. May this touch on this day change the course of this life forever. We celebrate the fact that you can. We celebrate the fact that you will. We ask, give us discernment, give us wisdom, impart to us all that you want us to have on this day in faith as we pray. Lord, thank you for people who will bring their need to you unashamedly and say, I trust God with this. Show us how to walk with that integrity and deposit something in us that's holy, that's above human realm, that comes from God, that divine touch that you can give us. We thank you for it and we trust you. We trust you fully to make a difference in our lives. For your glory we pray. You may be seated. Thank you. I want you to just keep in a frame of prayer for this next one because I want to pray for some of you who would say, and I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand for this, but maybe you've been overzealous. Maybe there's a relationship that's you've burned because you've tried so hard. You've tried to make it happen when it just it isn't. And I want to pray for those relationships. Would you just own that right now where you are to say, maybe sometimes I have been and I, I need to listen more. I need to pay attention to what God's doing. Lord, I pray for those right here who maybe they've been overzealous and they've wounded people and they've done things that haven't advanced the kingdom. I just ask for your discernment, for your wisdom, that you'll guide us, that we will be a church that honors you in all things and honors others and respects people in their journey. God, we trust you for that today. We trust you for that today. Show us how to build bridges, not burn them. Thank you, Lord. And if anyone here needs to follow Christ, Lord, if they're here separated from you because of sin, if that's you and you know you're not connected to God, would you just follow me in this prayer that says, Lord, forgive me of my sin. Cleanse me today. I trust you. I come to you. I believe you are Jesus, the Son of God, and you died on a cross, and you rose from the dead for me. 
Give me hope for my future, I pray, Lord. In your name we pray these things. Amen. Lord, thank you for, thank you for a story like this from a man who is not named. We only know him as one who has leprosy. Lord, we ask you to not only know our, na- our needs, but our names, which you do. You know us intimately and you love us. And we thank you. May we model that kind of relationship in our lives. Go before us now. Help us to make a difference. Teach us how to build bridges for the glory of God, to advance the kingdom of God. In your name we pray. Amen. Our prayer team is going to be up here. If you would like someone to pray with you, come on up and let us do that. Table's in the mall. Otherwise, the service starts now. Go make a difference. God bless you. Thanks for coming to Timberline.